Our scripture reading today is Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and you can follow along on page 9 in your worship folders. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello. It's good to be back with you this week. Missed you all last week as I was at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Canningville preaching there. And of course, you had Martin here. And so I know that uh, um, God's word was proclaimed and that you heard that. And hopefully God's word was proclaimed as well (laughs) in Redeemer. Uh, You can check with them to make sure of that, but I think that it was. But it's good to be back here because we're in the midst of a series that we are preaching on what is the church and do I need it? And so what we've discovered so far about what the church is and, and, and that we do need it is that the church is a gathering of people that are called together to be Christ's body. In their particularness, they are joined together with one head who is Jesus. And that then through Holy Spirit, he gifts them in both natural and supernatural ways to do his work out throughout the world. Now that gathering is first and foremost this group of people that in their particularness become one body of Christ here in this world today. They themselves then first and foremost are worshipers called to be those who lift up God's mighty reign, falling underneath it, giving praise and glory in all that we do in order to invite others into being worshipers themselves, taking them away from the worship of self and and authenticity that they long for to know that they are authentically known by God and that they can know who they are in him. Now, today we turn to this passage in Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in this place, we're going to spend actually three Sundays. Because there's three things that are said about what the church or the gathering of God's people are. Now, just as a background, the Sermon on the Mount took place as Jesus called his disciples near him. And then there were probably others that were listening in to that process. But his primary audience were the 12. And he's talking to them about who they are and who they are going to lead. What this new world was going to look like as God's reign came in. This is a kingdom talk that is happening here. And we get to this place that he's done the Beatitudes, right? Be merciful, those who are mercy, those who are peacekeepers, those who are poor in spirit. And it is easy for us in hearing those to go, those are very aspirational things. And so probably the best way for us to engage with that is to go, Lord, I hope you make that happen. 
But then we get to this passage. And Jesus says, you are these things. He's not saying, blessed are you if you are these things. Blessed are you if this takes place in you. But he's saying to them, you are in fact salt and light and a town or city on a hill. And so today we're going to look at what the church is. The church is salt. We are salt. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of going to a super fancy restaurant. I I mean, those kind of restaurants that have tablecloths, those kind of restaurants that you uh, don't go to the counter to pay, those kind of restaurants that have more than one fork or knife sitting out, and a water glass and a wine glass and an aperitif glass and a those kind of restaurants? No, me neither, so that's good. But what I hear, what I hear about them is this, that you can be at those restaurants and they'll bring out the food and the one thing that you will notice that is not present on the table is salt. Now, the reason why is because the chef has such a high view or a high view of what they have done is they believe they have seasoned that food to perfection. And so there's no need for you, mere mortal, to do anything else to it. That's the way the world was when it began. You see, when God created the world, when he spoke it into existence, when he set it forth as how it was supposed to be, it was in perfection. There was no need for something else. Yet Adam and Eve said, could we have a little something different? And sin broke in and destruction started. Bondage became possible. And those things that were good, we elevate to being great and our hearts get taken captive and we become full of sin. And in that, then the world begins to deteriorate and break down. So in the midst of this sermon about kingdom, Jesus says to his people, you are salt. Now in that time and in that place, the primary goal of salt is to preserve food. It keeps it from rotting. And so you would pack things with salt so that you would be able to keep those things longer. So the first task of the church in being salt is that we are sent out into the world to preserve it. We are called to be those that go out with God's goodness, God's mercy, God's grace in order to keep the decay at bay. You see, we know that the world is slowly, sometimes more rapidly than we would anticipate, moving continually into itself, elevating itself higher and higher on the throne of its heart in order to say, we will take the place of God. We're in danger of doing that too, mind you. But what the church is, as salt, is called forth to be those who preserve, who say there's a different way, there's a better way, there's a truth way, there's a whole way, there's a perfect way. And so we go and we sprinkle the salt out 
of our lives. When we see decay happening, we call it decay. We don't name it something else. When we see places of disruption in God's perfect order, we work to bring God's order back to that place to preserve it. The second thing that we see that salt does, and we experience this more today than we do the preserving of things, is that it seasons, that it brings out flavor, that it adds something. Now, in my house, we have six people that currently live in our home. We used to have seven. And each one of us had a different level of saltiness that we liked. And so it was very difficult as the chef of the house to determine what level of salt I should actually put into the food that I was cooking. And so we always had people who were constantly putting more salt into the food that I had made them. Now, at one time in my life, I thought I was one of those chefs that you didn't need to season my food. I've come to realize that is just not the case. And so I've gotten over myself a little bit. And so when somebody says, I need more salt, I happily oblige and give that to them. But that salt seizes it in a way that brings out the essence of what they're wanting to taste it. Or it's just so bad that they're trying to salt it enough that they don't taste it at all. We as the church do the same. You see, as those who are connected to the creator... As those who are connected to the one who knows the way the world is supposed to be, then we are the ones who have the ability to bring out the flavor of the world more than anyone else. See, we know its grand purpose. We know what it was designed for, and we know how it should taste. And so salt works at a molecular level to bring out those tastes in the food, to allow them to be enriched sometimes even to make us desire it even more. I mean, if you've ever been to a pub and they have salty snacks on the table, you'll know why they do that. It's so you'll drink more. We do that as well. We give out that ability for the world to become thirsty. See, they go, oh, what is that? I, I need that. I want that. The third, and maybe the most interesting thing to me that salt does, that probably back in this day, they didn't know it. And in fact, until really the, the 1970s were there studies on this that started coming out in scientific journals, is the fact that salt has a unique ability to suppress bitterness in foods. So, for instance, when you have a piece of melon and you want to have it be sweeter, you put a little salt on it. The reason why you do that is it takes any sort of the bitterness that is within that fruit and it suppresses it, bringing out the natural sugars so that it tastes sweeter. If you put just a little bit of salt in your coffee that seems too bitter in the morning... Now, that never happens at any of the cafes in Frio. It will cause that bitterness to be less than when you first tasted it. Now, like I said, they probably didn't know that then, but Jesus, who is God, definitely knew that then. 
And so for us, we can look back now, thanks to these scientific research, and say, as the salt of the earth, as the church is called to be the salt, then we as well are those who go out into a world that is increasingly bitter to be those that suppress the bitterness in the world. Not denying that the bitterness is there, not saying that, oh, just turn a blind eye to it or it's going to get better. We actively move in a very active way to cause that bitterness to be less than what it could be. We engage in it, just like salt, in a monocular level to push it down so that God's sweetness can come out. To those around us. And so the church is a gathering of people who in their particularness come the body of Christ with Jesus as the head. Then empowered by the Holy Spirit, we move to do the gifts that God has called us to do, both within our gathering and outside in the world, in order that we will be the first of worshipers, bringing glory to God and drawing people in. And all the time, we are seasoning and preserving and suppressing, pushing aside the bitterness. That's what the church is. So do you need it? Well, I would say yes, of course. I would say you need it for a couple of reasons. The first one is this, is that you yourself are a person who lives and is active in a world that is decaying. You are active in a world where bitterness does not stop it coming to your door. Some of you even feel like probably, and it might be true, it is actively pursuing you. And so, of course, we need the church. We need those who are walking as salt to be those who walk with us in order to help that bitterness be suppressed, in order to preserve our faith as it seems to be decaying as we see the world decaying, to season life for us so that when we are feeling broken, they can step in and grieve with us. And when we are feeling joy, they will be happy to dance with us and taste and feel, and know, and believe all the goodness of God's creation and beauty. So that's the first reason you need the church, is because you happen to be in the world. The second thing is this. We need the church to push us out of the salt shaker. We need the church to remind us that we're no good when we just stay in the salt shaker. You see, when salt is gathered together and it's put on the table and just sitting there, it does absolutely nothing. Sometimes it can look really pretty, and particularly if the salt shaker is pretty. But it's just there. And until it is moved out of that shaker, until it is placed on the food, it can't be who it is. And so we need each other in the church to remind us, don't stick to your comfort zone. Don't stay in the places that you feel safest. Allow God to move you 
and all of us together to work in order to bring God's flavor out in this world, to preserve God's truth in this world, and to suppress the bitterness that can be found in this world. So you need the church to remind you to get out, to go be salt, the thing that God has created all of us who are in the church to be. Now, if you remember, we've talked about what is the church, and we've talked about do we need it, but we're also kind of looking at what that means particularly for Fremantle. What does that mean for us in this particular place? I think one of the beautiful things that happens with us at Fremantle Church is we are passively salt in some ways. Do you realize that we passively suppress the bitterness of the world by allowing our building to be used by those who are experiencing that bitterness? Almost every day of the week, we have a support group for addiction that takes place in our building where people are finding out how they can move with God often beyond their addiction. And how awesome that is that that you and I actually don't do much of anything for that. But as this body that supports what's happening here in this building, we are passively salt. So that's cool. We're also salt in that we season the world around us. We do that particularly in this space when we allow musicians and artists to come in and use it and experience God's favor upon them for the giftedness that he has provided for them. And so when a concert happens here or an artist puts new um, work up in our hall gallery, it gives them the ability to express and show forth that God has made this, even if they don't recognize it themselves. But what we're doing by allowing God's beauty to break through into the decay is allowing that decay to be suppressed and held off. You see, because every time God's beauty is shown forth, every time his light shines in, it pushes back the darkness and the decay and holds it forth. So we do that in that way as well. One of the other things that we do here is we long to be a place that is always reforming. Always learning. Always moving. Always growing. Well, how does that have to do with salt? Have you been to the market lately? Do you know how many different types of salts there are? Have you seen the pink Himalayan and the flake and the Dead Sea and the, I mean, it's, it's, it's too innumerous to even expand on. But each one of them have those same properties to preserve, to season, and to repress, to hold down the bitterness of the world. Some of them are better at one thing than the other. Some of their qualities can diminish over time. Versus other times, as we see here, when you're not being salt, you're trampled. But what happens is each one of those operates the same. We never want to be a place that says we are the perfect salt. We want to hold forth and say globally there are things that are happening in the world that God is doing to preserve his kingdom, to proclaim it and season the world that we might not even understand. But we want to honor it and say, yes, 
Praise God, because salt is going forth. And at the same time, we don't want to sit back and just go, we figured it out for us here. We want to be able to say, as we dig into Scripture, as we look at the Word, as we find out how to be more salty, what does it change about us? What does it move in our hearts? What does it allow us to do in order to bring about God's goodness and preservation and season in the world? And so we will always be learning. (laughs) We will always be looking. Assured that in the essentials, we will stay rooted. But that's the blessing of being part of a church that follows covenant reform theology, is that we're always reforming. We're always thinking, what do we need to learn? Because we know we don't know everything. At least we should operate that way. And so that's good for us to do in that way. And so as you think about salt today, as you this week will put salt maybe in food that you're cooking or food that you're eating. In that place, remember that God has designed us as a church to be those who will season and preserve and push aside the bitterness in this world. Let me pray for us. God, we ask that these words be your words that all that is said today will bring glory and honor to you. And if they are not your words, that they will burn up and go away. We thank you that when you have made us salt, we are salt indeed. You have called us that. And so let us step into that in a way that brings you glory and honor. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand up and sing in response together.